Welcome to Exhale Bible Discovery. Each week, we'll take a deep dive into the Bible, going line by line and chapter by chapter to discover the truths that God has for us in His Word. Hello, everyone. We are on lesson number 13, Revelation chapter 10. We are marching along in this amazing book of God's Word. Chapter 9 took us through the fifth and sixth trumpet blasts, and we summarized that there's a finality for those who continue to deny Christ. But we have a God who is patient and merciful. He has provided us with the Bible. We have a glimpse of what's going to happen. None of us should be surprised who follow Christ. In this lesson in chapter 10, along with part of chapter 11, we have another interlude before this final seventh trumpet blasts off. And this pause is much like the one we saw between the sixth and seventh seals. These pauses give the reader an opportunity to reflect on what has occurred, make decisions, and prepare for what is to come. All right, we have chapter 10 into two main sections, the mighty angel, Revelation 1 through 7, and the mighty message, Revelation 8 through 11. We've just learned about the first six trumpets, the burning, the blood, the bitterness, the blackness, the beast, and the battle. Things have gone from bad to worse progressively. And in here in chapter 10, we experience another pause before this seventh trumpet is heard. In these next two chapters, we will explore this mighty angel and the two witnesses. Now in chapter 10, we're just going to focus on the message from the mighty angel. First one, then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. And above his head, his face was like the sun, and his legs were like fiery pillars. And so thankfully, we now have a little bit of a break of the horrors that we've just read about. And we're taken back to this beautiful scene from heaven that we saw in chapter 4. And there are many discussions regarding the persona of this mighty angel. As we follow the narrative used throughout the book of Revelation, the mention of an angel specifically refers to an angel. And remember, The word angel means messenger. As we seek to understand the identity of this angel, we can take a look back at the description of the throne room in chapter 1-7 where Christ is seen coming down in the clouds. And verse 1-8 clearly identifies Jesus as the Alpha and Omega. And Christ is actually announcing his arrival in these verses. Most theologians are leaning towards that this is a messenger angel with a very important message. In chapter 4, verse 3, we saw the throne encircled with a rainbow of the appearance of emeralds. And now this verse includes the clouds and a rainbow. And this comparison would really make it appear that here in chapter 10, John is seeing Jesus. However, as I've stated before in the book of Revelation, angels are angels. Therefore, this mighty angel most definitely has the likeness of Christ. He has been given a very important task and clearly bears the Shekinah glory of God. 
And another important fact about the rainbow is the covenant that God made with us in the form of a rainbow. And here in Revelation, this could be referencing that God has not broken his covenant with man. He gave us Christ. Now, this time, the time has come for Christ to finally come back to earth in all of his glory, splendor, and power. And what I find so interesting about that is here we've had our beautiful rainbow, which is God's covenant to us. It reminds us of his covenant that has been stolen. It has been stolen, like so many other things in the Bible, to reference something not of God. And they've been blasting it in our faces. And now here at the end of times, God's rainbow comes back in full force, And I believe as a message, I am Christ. I am the owner of this rainbow, and it will no longer be mocked. The reference to his face shining like the sun of this angel could be very similar to what we saw when Moses came off Mount Sinai, and his face was shining so brightly that he had to keep a veil over his face. We find this in Exodus 34, 29. The skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. And could this be why angels are typically described as bearing a beautiful light? If they are constantly in the presence of God, this would make sense. And also, it's important to note that during the time of the Israelites going through the desert, they were accompanied by a cloud. Well, this cloud that's mentioned doesn't necessarily mean this mighty angel is Christ, because we know in the desert it was not Christ. They were being led by this wonderful cloud to help them. And Daniel, he mentions this. Another thought of this mighty angel could refer to the angel Gabriel, and this name means messenger of God. He appeared to Daniel, Zechariah, and Mary, bearing important messages. Luke 1.19 says the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to you to speak to you and tell you this good news. The truly important point that we don't want to miss is to remember that there are some things that are clearly shown to us in the Bible, but there's lots of mysteries that man continues to grapple with over the centuries. And what we all need to know and rest in is the fact that God is God. He alone reveals to us what and when we need to know in his time. And remember, Throughout this book of Revelation, the point is not to get caught up in endless debates, but rather to understand his overall message of the book, which is God wins. And as long as we're still reading this book, we've still got time for people to turn to him. And so the last part of this verse tells us his legs were like fiery pillars. And we previously discussed the purpose of pillars, which is to uphold, support, and show strength. In this reference, the pillars represent the angel's legs, as we will see in the following verse. Verse 2, he was holding a little scroll, which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left on the land. At first glance, this verse seems strange, but let's talk about the meaning of the little scroll and these legs on the sea and the land. Well, the little scroll is evidently different from the one we read about in Revelation 5. The word little definitely specifies that it is another scroll. This scroll contains a different message due to the way the text was written. And we are not privy to the contents of this scroll. We do know that scrolls contain important messages. And this one, being presented by this mighty angel, is obviously another important message. And so the feet on the sea and the land, no doubt this vision shows that this message is for the entire earth. The depiction shows the complete power over all things, 
And this is a great representation of Christ's ownership of everything. All things have been placed under his feet. Ephesians 1.22, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. As we go into verse 3, he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. Now we hear that a loud shout has occurred. And obviously, this message is intended to be heard like the roar of a lion can easily be referenced to speaking in full authority from Christ. Amos 3.8, the lion has roared, who will not fear? Revelation 5.5, see, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. Everything has such deep and rich meaning, you guys. The word thunder in Greek means to roar. So these seven voices are crying out about the judgment that is coming. A roar or thunder announces judgment is near. And if we go back to Revelation 4, 5, in the throne room, there were peals of thunder. And before the throne were the seven lamps and the seven spirits of God. So we too, you guys, as believers, are to shout out God's word. Are you burdened by this news in Revelation? If so, this should provide you with a burning desire to do something about it. What is the charge he has given to you specifically? Verse 4, And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, Seal up what the seven thunders have set and do not write it down. This verse does not tell us why John was instructed to not write down what he heard. This resembles, though, what Daniel was instructed to do when he was told to roll up and seal the words until the end of history, Daniel 12, 4. Again, it is super important to try and not decipher that which God has chosen to keep secret from us. We are not God. Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed to us and our children are ours forever that they may follow all the words of this law. This is critical for us to comprehend. He has given us so much in his word, and we've got to be respectful of that which he has revealed and that which he isn't allowing us to be privy. So before we read verses 5 and 6, it's also important to note that these verses contain the only oath in the entire book of Revelation, and an oath is a solemn promise. So in verse 5, then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. And so we know when someone takes or makes an oath, it's customary to raise his right hand to signify the oath is being made. It's an outward sign of an important agreement. Verse 6, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it, the sea and all that is in it, and said, there will be no more delay. And I found an interesting fact that the root word of to swear means the same as the number seven in Hebrew. Pretty cool. We know that the number seven means completion. And so looking back up at verse four, referring to these seven thunders could mean that this oath is telling us this is the completion of God's judgment on man. Totally makes sense. Love when I find things like that. This swearing is to God who lives forever and ever and is the creator over all things. The end of this verse contains the important message. There will be no more delay. And as we've been marching through this book of Revelation, 
Now, in this intermission between the sixth and seventh trumpets, John now hears, It is time. When you became a believer, you also took an oath to follow Christ for the rest of your days. He gave us his oath that we will be saved and be in heaven with him. As a result of Christ's shed blood, your part of the bargain means you also have a job to do. Are you fulfilling your end of the oath? Verse 7, But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, just as he announced his servants, the prophets. We're told that the mystery of God is forthcoming, and it has been completed. And this points to Colossians 2.2. My goal is that they be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Jesus told his disciples he was coming back. Ephesians 1.9, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Do you see the significance of this? The mystery is Christ and Everything points to all things on heaven and earth, under Christ, heaven on earth. We're going to learn more about all of this at the end of the book of Revelation. But right now, we're getting a glimpse of this promise. Hang on to this promise as we continue studying this book. So your truth bomb for this section, God's message to mankind are to be respected and that we are to pay attention. Your call to action as you continue to study the book of Revelation. Are you more focused on the awful things going on rather than staying focused on the God of the Bible who made promises and oaths to his people? This message should encourage you to stay the course, hold the line, and to keep your eyes on Jesus. All right, now we're going into the second part. The mighty message. These are verses 8 through 11. Verse 8. Then the voice I heard from heaven spoke. Go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. John now hears the voice from heaven speak. And this voice is different from the angel who is actually standing upon the earth. But by the same voice from heaven that we saw in verse 4, a few verses back. The second part of this verse instructs that the scroll in the angel's hand And it's a specific task regarding this scroll. Verse 9, so I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. And he said, take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour. But in your mouth, it will be as sweet as honey. Strange as this verse appears, being instructed to take the scroll and eat it, man, that does sound really weird. And then the description that once ingested would taste sweet but then would sour the stomach. Well, as I've thought about it, isn't that a lot like sin? So often we know we shouldn't say something, shouldn't do something, and at first, oh man, it feels so satisfying. And then you have the consequences of that sin that isn't so great, doesn't set so well with you. And so here John is told to eat this scroll, thus fully digesting what he is learning. He is told it will appear to be desirable, yet it's going to make you sick. If we look at, you know, the whole book of Revelation, John's given a glimpse into the future. 
which many of us would think, man, wouldn't it be cool if we could look into the future? It's fascinated mankind for a long, long time. However, what John will discover would make him sick. And just like us, if we knew some of the things that have already happened to us, probably would have made us really sick too. So thus, John has been commissioned to share this message with the world, despite how difficult it was going to be. Likewise, those of us who know God's word, both the good and the bad, y'all, we have a duty to share this message in full. We are not allowed to pick and choose, nor are we given permission to change or manipulate God's word in any fashion. Verse 10, then I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. Tasted sweet as honey, but when I'd eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Verse 11, then I was told, you must prophesy again about many people's nations, languages, and kings. And the end of this chapter provides John and each one of us with the great commission that was given to us by Jesus at the end of Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Well, let's dig into verse 11 a little bit more. There's three main things that verse 11 says. It says, you must. This is not a request, you guys. This is a command to prophesy again. And that means to foretell or to declare as if by divine inspiration to many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Y'all, this means all people everywhere. It's a great commission. And so if you compare it with the great commission of Matthew, he says, therefore, go again. It's not a request. It's a command, much like you must to make disciples. And disciples are simply followers of Christ who teach and train his word. To all nations, everyone, everywhere. And then in the great commission, the Trinity is mentioned with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. We as his disciples We are given the power and authority of these entities. We have them at our disposal. We are without excuse. And we are to be teaching them to obey everything. As disciples, and this is all believers in Christ, we are all charged with the teaching of his word. This can be with our own children and grandchildren, to learn and know the scriptures, to share them with others, and to proclaim and tell others what he has and is teaching us the end of the commission, it says, and he is with us. As we share God's word and tell others about Jesus, we should never, ever shy away from the fear of messing it up. He tells us that he is with us and that we are undergirded by God, the power of the Holy Spirit. So we are given this pause prior to the last trumpet. We are reminded of our commission set before us by Christ before he died for our sins. And you guys, he did not just die on the cross for believers to read his word, have pretty journals, do all kinds of highlighting, which I like all those things, but he died for us to take up his cross daily. And in Luke 9, 23, it says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. So I wanted to break that one down. Starts out with whoever. And this means his love, acceptance, saving grace, and heaven is offered to all who choose to follow him. It's a choice. 
those who claim Christians are this exclusive club, they try to imply that we in the church are judgmental. And what they are missing is that this invitation is open to all who will accept him as their savior. Their denial of this invitation does not negate the offer. Then it says the word wants, and it means just that, a true personal desire to follow Christ. And this is an action word. What comes next requires something from the believer. And many people want things, but few actually do what's required. And so the third part of this is to be my disciple. To be a disciple of Christ means to give up a lot of yourself. To fully be a disciple of Christ requires the gift of your time, your resources, self-indulgences that keep you from him and a willing heart to be bold as you move forward in your response to him. The verse says to deny themselves. And this doesn't mean starving yourself, but it does mean making and taking a strong evaluation of how is it you spend your time? How are you spending your money? And how are you sharing God's word with others? This is an excellent opportunity right now to go to him in prayer And ask him to show you areas that you need to give up in order to clear more time for him. He thought you were worth it. And I hope you find that he's worth it as well. And then take up the cross daily. It's a daily charge. It doesn't say take up your cross only on Sundays or only when you go to Bible study. This is a daily charge. And then follow me. So ask yourself honestly. How are you following Christ? Again, that's an action word. Is this evident to those around you, to your family, your coworkers, your friends, strangers? And again, the word follow requires action. Are your feet moving in his path? Are your hands busy with his work? Is your mind engaged in godly things? Oh, you guys, this chapter ends with such a strong message for us all. We have a job to do, each and every one of us. We don't get a pass. We don't get a pass. Sadly, many Christians are doing just that. They invest in their own Bible study, but for whatever reason, they're not sharing what they're learning. And I pray that everyone who's in this Bible study, that you're taking this information that God has shared with me, that he's given to me to share with you, so that you can take it and share with others. So your truth bomb, each of us who claim to be a disciple and believer in Christ has work to do. Your call to action, as we continue to learn more about him in our daily walk, what are you doing to share this knowledge with others? What will you do this week to tell someone the truth about Christ? Right now, jot down a name that God is putting on your heart of someone you need to engage with this week to make sure They are given the good news of Jesus. So your summary, this mighty angel and the mighty message are delivered to all believers. No, it's not all fun news, but we know many are still out there who are lost. There's also a lot of those who falsely believe that they are safe. And there's those who just don't care. God has placed you in this time specifically for such a time as this. Will you move forward in obedience to him as you fall on your knees, thanking him for your own salvation? Fall on your knees 
to obedience in him with what he is asking of you right now. To sum this up in 10 words, all believers are called to share the gospel of Christ. Six application questions. One, how are you being a messenger for Christ? Number two, how are you feeding, digesting God's word? Number three, what is God calling you to be emboldened about regarding his word? Number four, as you gave an oath to Christ upon your conversion, how are you holding up your end of the bargain? Number five, how are you digesting the word of God? And number six, after reading the last verse of chapter 10, what are you encouraged to be doing for the kingdom? Let's close in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for this study. Thank you for opening this word to us. Thank you for showing us exactly what's happening and what's going to happen so that we can get prepared. Father, we love you and we thank you for this word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be sure to visit my website, drpaulamcdonald.com. Click on podcast and then exhale Bible discovery for self-study guides and resources to support you with each episode.